Hi, welcome to the Metal Detecting Show, episode number 26. My name is Kieran, and believe it or not, I have been detecting for nearly 30 years. This week, we celebrate our six-month anniversary with you asking the questions and me doing my best to answer them. So let's get on with the show. Hey all, before we start, I want to thank you for listening to my podcast. I hope you enjoyed the show this week. I hope you've enjoyed the last 25 weeks. If you want to give me feedback or interact with the show, please reach out to me on Twitter at Detecting The or Instagram at The Metal Detecting Podcast or if you want to pop me an email, Kieran at TheMetalDetectingShow.com If you like this content, please don't hesitate to tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. So six months, can you believe it? When I started the podcast, I felt it was something that I may have 12 weeks content for. But amazingly, you can polish a turd. (laughs) So last week, I asked you to send me questions. And just like my process for my own interviews, I have compiled a list of the most popular. I will do my best to answer these as best and as honestly as possible. So let's get to it. Question number one, and only in because I thought it was kind of funny. Coke or Pepsi? Coke. Coke Zero, in fact. In fact, some people would say I have a problem with Coke Zero. I drink it possibly about three times a day. Next question. Favorite brand of detector? I'd have to say I'm a bit of a Mind Lab fanboy, but realize with the podcast, I had I need to get outside of that comfort zone and try new brands. So I'm looking out for a new detector to review and expand my experience. Why podcasts and not YouTube? I got a lot of questions around this. I think they come from the fact that my YouTube channel is just the audio of the podcast channel. And I know people are used to seeing people video, podcast recording, etc. So why podcasts and not YouTube? Well, I did have a YouTube channel back in about 2017 for a few videos. But I soon realized I do not have a face for the television. (laughs) But honestly, it was just bad timing. Um, around that time I had a bad accident a bad fall and it went that I wasn't able to, to go detecting so if I wasn't able to go detecting I wasn't able to film videos of me detecting so it was around that time that I formulated the idea for the podcast actually as I felt it was something I could do while sitting down while keeping myself immersed in the hobby although I was and still am very insecure about how I sound I felt it was something I could do but it took me about another two years for me to get over that fear and just do it I think that's a I think that's a problem a lot of potential podcasters have is that they spend years focusing on the very first episode rather than just getting out and doing it and um, improving with every iteration after that fact next question are you only going to podcast during the COVID-19 pandemic well I did start the podcast because of the pandemic I just want to be very clear on that Prior to the pandemic, I would spend a lot, quite a lot of my time traveling. Um, I spent a lot of time in Asia and the USA. Because of the pandemic, obviously, traveling, travel restrictions were implemented, which meant I was not able to travel internationally anymore. It also meant that I would have to work from home. So I missed out on the glorious three-hour commute I have every day. So at the start of the pandemic, I realized I had 15 hours a week that I could put to doing something creative. And that's why I started a podcast. I had all, I had everything in place. I had everything lined up. I had the domain registered for two years at this stage. Um, I even had the first couple of episodes rolled up. I just never got to the point of doing it. As I said, one bit, one part of that was down to insecurity. And the other part of it was down to the fact that I had very limited time free to record a podcast. What's the future of the metal detecting show? Will it make it to 
52 episodes will it make it to the year um right now i'm considering that i, I will be 100 percent honest with you all when i initially started the podcast i thought i would only get maybe six episodes in then it was 12 then it was 20 and then once i hit 20 it was like okay 26 right now i am considering it i do like doing the podcast i think people like the podcast it's reasonably successful you know there's no reason why i should stop doing the podcast so there's no reason i will stop doing the podcast i intend to keep going for as long as i can but you never know what life throws at you um so one week at a time and what's the future for the metal detecting podcast well i want to bring in more product reviews i want to bring in more interviews i do like the toi's but the toi's are sorry the transfer of information little short podcast but they actually require a lot more work than the interviews and product review podcasts. If you consider that a, a short 10-minute podcast would take me about two hours to research, two to three hours to write up, and then probably two hours to record and edit. So it's a whole day's work while I'm already working 40-hour a week. Um, so it's, it's a hobby. I enjoy it. So it's not doesn't feel like work right now. So I will keep doing it. I do plan to bring in more product reviews and interviews, though. Why don't we have ads or sponsors? Well, we're pretty new. Our demographic is mainly the US and the UK. Male, um, 80%. We do have 20% women, which is great. We have four hundred, just under 450 certified listeners every week, which if you consider, if I had a room and 450 people came to that room every week to listen to me talk for 15 minutes about a certain aspect of metal detecting, you would consider that quite good. But we don't have any sponsors or ads lined up. I have had a few companies reach out to me, but the companies didn't align really with what I intend for the podcast, which is really a, a, a metal detecting focus sponsor or product sponsor, etc. How did I get into metal detecting? I've talked about this previously, I know, on a few episodes. So really, I, I didn't really start metal detecting, God, till... Yeah, but, but, but 25 years ago. Um, but I did start treasure hunting from about the age of eight. And that was all down to a book by the Whiz Kids called Treasure Hunting. And it's wrote by Ian Elliot Shirker. I can never say that name. S-H-I-R-C-O-R-E. Shirker. Ian Elliot Shirker. And it was published by MacDonald. I'll give you the ISBN number. ISBN 0356063348 if you want to check it out. But that little book, I found it in my, <laughs> the reason I can read it off is I actually, I spent about five years trying to find it afterwards as an adult, just so I could have it on my shelf. But the reason I started treasure hunting was because of that book. I found it in my local library. And one of the fundamental aspects or ideas in the book is that you don't need a metal detector to go treasure hunting. Um, you start by looking for bottle pits, checking your attic, on and on and on. So that's where I started when I was about eight. And lucky enough, where I lived was an area steeped in history, so digging for bottle pits and stuff and stuff like that was a great pastime, and I had quite the collection of bottles, etc. from that. And then it was in my sort of mid to late teenage years that I, I was able to afford a metal detector, so I bought the Bounty Hunter Quick Draw 2, which I loved, and I operated that for probably five years. Went to the Quattro, Mine Lab Quattro, had that for another few years, and then the CTX, actually, and then the Equinox. So really, I haven't been, I'm not a prolific collector of detectors, as some people maybe 
but generally my golden rule is that the, the detector you have has to pay for the detector you're going to get. So <laughs> basically that's how I operate. So what type of detecting do you do and how often do you detect? In the main, I focus on beach detecting. This is for two reasons. One, I live on the coast. Two, the legislation in Ireland is pretty restrictive around detecting on fields. You are allowed to detect on fields in Ireland if you have permission from the landowner and you're not searching for archaeological items and you're nowhere near any registered sites. So despite what you might see online, that's the law. I tend to focus on beaches um, and because of that, then a lot of my finds are monetary based. So coins, jewellery, etc. devices. It scratches the itch. I do love finding something old on the beach, but generally any old or anything that could be considered a relic that you find on the beach is pretty much toast and would be another man's rubbish. And how often do I detect? Well, I generally try to get out at least for half a day once a week. That's my minimum. On a good week, I might get a full day or a day and a half out detecting, depending on my work commitments, family commitments, etc. For the last couple of weeks, family commitments have been taking over. We're uh, approaching a big event in our house, a big family event in our house. So that means that Kieran needs to paint certain things and chop certain things and fix certain things before the house is full of relatives. So that's what I've been focusing on the last two weeks. But as of next week, I will be back on that horse, back out detecting. Um, and I can't wait. Actually, it's, it's actually depressing me now that I'm not out detecting. But jobs have to be done. You know, you got to keep the brownie points to a max. And, you know, it is what it is. Next question. What's your metal detecting philosophy? Well, up to about 10 years ago, my metal detecting philosophy was you got to walk over it to find it. Um, I know we, we see this in the forums, we see this everywhere. I even say it myself every now and again. And that very much was based on, in my head, that you just got to get out there and you got to detect and the finds will happen. However, in the last 10 years, I've come to realize that that's actually not true. You got to know where to walk, to walk over it, to find it. So very much my philosophy is around research the best site selection to maximize your finds. You want to give yourself the best odds and the best chance to find something. And once I started focusing on that, my finds to junk ratio shot up. So I'm not digging as many holes. So the holes that I do dig have the potential to produce better finds. What's my best find? Actually, my best find is something I found, I think, when I was about nine years of age. So that would be 19, oh God, oh 19, 1984. Um, and it was something I found without a metal detector, but it was a metal object nonetheless. And I found it in my back garden. Now, just for context, my I did not have a back garden. My house opened up onto a, a essentially a field that was seven square miles. And the house was built during the Crimean War. So it was a house steeped in history, a privy pit, etc., etc. So I was surrounded by history. But this was a, a find I found in that area. And it was a meteorite. It was a small meteorite, about the size of a golf ball. It was black, had what you would call thumbprints on it. Obviously, it was iron, magnetic, obviously a meteorite. Unfortunately, it got lost in a house move about eight years later. So I lost it when I was 16. And actually, quite regularly, I actually think of it. And I can't look at um, meteor men or anything like that without going, oh, my God. But yeah, that was, that was my best find. And best as in, I think about it a lot. 
best historic find is probably a Crimean War button that I dug up with my first detector. Toasted out again, not of any significance importance historically, but for me it was the first sort of real find with my new detector. Um, so there's good memories tied to that. What's on the bucket list? From a monetary point of view, it would be an engagement ring maybe. Um, they're always high value. People oh my god you found a wedding band you found a wedding band but they you know generally they're only worth maybe a hundred two hundred dollars in scrap value whereas an engagement ring is infinitely more of higher value and that would be from a monetary point of view from a beach detecting aspect however from a historic point of view what's on the bucket list because the area i live in has been tied to a world war one seaplane base i would love to find something american that ties the area to that event that would be pretty cool to find that that's kind of what's on my bucket list right now i'm a very simple man with very simple needs i suppose what do i do i presume this means what do i do day to day as a career i am what you would call a senior manager for one of the world's largest cybersecurity companies so make of that what you will <laughs> uh, do i have a family yes i do i have a beautiful wife una who i've been married to for 10 years Two lovely boys, six and eight, Harry and James, who delight and drive me crazy in equal measures. Girls wreck your head, boys wreck your house. And hence, the last couple of weeks, I've been <laughs> fixing the house. Do I have any other interests? Yes, I do. I have lots of interests. In fact, my wife would tell me I have too many hobbies and interests. So obviously, podcasting is one. Metal detecting is another. Metal detecting is probably the primary interest I have with podcasting every week. And then I brew my own beer i like to barbecue and have a significant barbecue and smoker set up that i like to smoke brisket on and pull pork and you know everything that comes with that so beer barbecue metal detecting and podcasting really are my main interests i consider myself a maker as well so i tend to build things right now i'm working on a smart led strip for my kitchen so just getting that done that won't take long i've just finished an arcade cabinet stuff like that i'm building a bar and podcast studio in my shed which will take a couple of months but you know i like to build things quite creative i suppose what piece of equipment can you not live without for me that has to be the pro pointer or the pinpointer i am terrible at pinpointing with my detector i used to be pretty good with the quattro but once i switched to the ctx and the equinox i am pants i'm the guy you see digging a hole a foot in diameter and a foot deep only to find a coin two inches down in the side of the hole. It's fine. <laughs> I deal with it. But it does mean I'm not as efficient at digging holes. In fact, that whole episode of how to dig a hole was purely based and geared towards me. Um, yeah, I'm terrible at digging holes. So yeah, for me, what piece of equipment can you not live without is the pinpointer. What's my favorite moment on the podcast? Well, well I think this is pretty cool. The fact that I've reached 26 episodes, that that's a moment. The first time I did the time for this week's Tech Time Out, that was, I, I got a kick out of that. You know, actually, when people reach out to me, it's, it's, it's not necessarily a moment on the podcast, but when people reach out to me and give me feedback, interact with the show, I, I always love that. that. That means I'm doing something right, so I really love that. Favorite moments, how to dig a whole episode, I, I kind of thought that was quite funny. Interviewing, digging deep beeps. Zarps, the metal detecting channel, 
all those guys they're all great and i really felt i learned something from those guys and so the interviews are generally about me trying to pick those guys minds or pick information from what they're saying so i can learn myself and the g guys can learn too but yeah they will be the standout moments from the podcast i think next question do i get recognized um not so much i wouldn't say recognized i have been my voice has been recognized which i never thought i had a distinctive voice but my voice has been recognized you know it's podcast <laughs> i don't know how i'm going to get recognized would i like to go full-time and I, I suppose the next question is probably be related to that how much do i make from podcasting how much i make from podcasting zero <laughs> we've no sponsors we've no affiliation to any manufacturer etc etc that's fine we don't run ads we have slots for ads you know where we put the jingle in but that's not it's not a, an important part of the podcast i we make zero money and um, i actually don't envisage any money being made from the podcast for at least two years and because of that would i like to go full-time right now no because obviously there's no money coming in from it but if it got to ever got to a stage where it was making a significant amount of revenue in, in a consistent fashion well of course i would of course i'd like to go full-time I love my job right now. I'm good at it. So I don't envisage myself. I enjoy it. I don't envisage dropping it anytime soon. But if, if the podcast was wildly successful and, and was making enough that I could support my family and it meant that I was metal detecting full time and podcasting full time with it, I'd be mad not to give it a shot. Yeah, let's see what let's see what the next couple of years have for it. And yeah, but well, I can only do that with your support. So, you know, is what it is. How was the podcast doing? Um, well, that's a relative term. So if you consider that the metal detecting community is quite small, I know there's probably, about, somebody said to me before, there's like 4 million people who metal detect globally. I imagine 40% of those or 50% of those speak English. So you're talking a 2 million addressable market, but only a very small fraction of those listen to podcasts. Right now, how is the podcast doing? We have just under 450 certified listeners every week, which is, if you think of long-form con content, it's not YouTube, you know, um, YouTube, it's all about thousands and thousands, but if you consider it's long-form content that people subscribe and listen to every week, it's actually doing quite well. We have broke, in relation to subscriptions, charts, say, for example, iTunes chart and Spotify charts, we've broken into the top 100 globally for history several times, and that's, you know, that's a good indication of how the podcast is doing. But it's all relative to the size of the market and the niche. Metal detecting is a pretty niche hobby. So the performance is based on that, really. Am I going to make longer episodes? Um, No. I think the format I have right now is quite good. Short episodes with quick information, download free for the listeners, and then the longer episode for the interviews and potentially product reviews in the future i think the format is good you know there's a golden rule you only make your podcast episode as long as it needs to be i don't want to spend three hours every week rambling on about metal detecting when in fact all i have is 10 15 minutes worth of content i've had good very good feedback in fact about the podcast format up to date that people like the straight um, no nonsense quick hit format you know is what it is and it suits my lifestyle right now to do 10-15 minutes and a couple of interviews every now and again i'd like to get more interviews in and obviously i'd like to get more podcast reviews in but believe it or not a, a review interview is actually takes less time than a 10-15 minutes of a podcast i think i've outlined that previously anyways before 
And the last question, what do you wish you knew before you started metal detecting as a hobby? Well, I know I've hit on it previously, but research. Research is the key. When I started the hobby, it was I was freestyling constantly, just going out. Yeah, I can. I have the energy and the capability to dig hundreds of holes in a day, and I'm bound to find two or three good things or good finds. However, I'm getting older, and research is key. I think I've said it during the philosophy question. Yeah, you gotta research. You gotta research is key. You gotta know where to go to maximize the probability that you would find something. So research, 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 research is very much it. And that's the last question, guys. Thank you very much. Here's the twenty-six more. Okay, I hope you liked episode twenty-six of the Metal Detecting Show podcast. If you like this content, please don't hesitate. Tell your friends and don't forget to hit that subscribe button. And if you feel like taking your appreciation to the next level, feel free to leave me a positive review on any podcast directory of your choice. Check out our website, www.themetaldetectingshow.com for this episode's show notes. Check out our Patreon page if you want to help the podcast stay alive or just want to buy me a coffee. Just search for The Metal Detecting Show. The link will be in the show notes. Once again, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. We will chat to you all again next week. Get out there, eyes down, and happy hunting. Happy hunting.